0: Wendy, always great to have you with us. (laughs) Thank you. We've got a few bits and pieces to talk about and I hope there'll be space for some open line calls as well towards the end of the hour. Just a reminder, it's 021-446-0567 if you'd like to call in. Otherwise, send a text or voice note to 0725671567. A couple of animal-related stories coming up, but first, Wendy, those poor suckers who fell for the Mm. prime hydration hype and paid 500 rand a bottle are feeling a little bit hard done by right now because as of Next week, it's going to be a whole lot cheaper to get hold of. Yes,
1: and especially if they bought a lot mm. at and ridiculous price. Um, so... Um, yeah, We said it last week about Prime Hydration, a company that makes a hydration drink, which we're talking about here, 500 mils in a plastic bottle, as well as an energy drink with a real kick of caffeine that um, hasn't made it to this country yet. Um, it has teenage boys mainly in a total frenzy <laughs> after social media influencers Logan Paul and KSI endorsed the brand. Um, they do actually have shares in the company that owns the brand. Um um, which sold over $250 million, million. Dollars worth of the product last year, just launched in January. So that's their first year, not bad going. Um, so, of course, the um, incredible demand lent led to shortages all over the world and um, of course when you get shortages you get massive markups and last week the drink was selling, well I saw it as high as 800 rand per bottle on Take A Lot Yeah, so that's that's, that's That was
0: last week, never again though because news this
1: week Checkers announced that Prime Hydration will go on sale in their stores from Monday, Monday 1st of May, at just, inverted commas, 40 rand per bottle. (laughs) Yes, you read correctly. The company tweeted, I-Y-K-Y-K. If, if you, you know, know, you, you know. know. Okay, So you can see who they're targeting with that tweet. <laughs> Terms and conditions apply, they say, which obviously means that they're going to limit the number that you can buy at any one time, understandably, because they don't want uh, some traders
0: to snap them up and then create a shortage and then drive the price up exactly. again. Although, Wendy, I, I mean, I saw that press release and I thought, I wonder if this is not... The death knell of all the hype because if your mum can buy, buy it at the weekly grocery shop off well, the that's shelf, exactly what I tweeted, it's going to lose its allure. The brand he?
1: slaves won't have. That.
0: They don't want that. They don't, don't want, want something to. you can buy on you the want grocery that store that everybody
1: can have. You want the exclusivity yeah. of look what I, and either look what I got and or look what
0: I, I can afford my to parents. buy. Yeah. Oh, yeah, how much they, they me. love me. Mm-hmm. I don't think the hype is going to last after this move. But anyway, very interesting I mean, <laughs> to track. actually. Yeah. and I wonder if anyone's actually going to drink the stuff because the two or three people I've I've met who've tasted it said it tasted awful. <laughs> yes, we it. had that cooler last week. <laughs> so, so yeah. Anyway, watch this space. Okay, so that is the prime story updated, and so on to the story of the purebred dogs that arrived without their certification. Now. A bit of a preface here. Wendy, I was really intrigued when this case first came into my inbox because I've been there myself. I'm not a dog owner anymore, but when I was many years ago, Mm -hmm. on two previous occasions, I had pedigreed bulldogs and I paid – and eye watering some for them because A, I wanted to know that it was a proper breeder that the dog was being born and raised in decent conditions and well looked after. And B, I wanted some a healthy dog promises about the health of the dog. Yeah. And you know, the bulldogs in particular, you've got to be very careful, their particular bloodlines that are known for aggression, et cetera. So we were really careful and you get what you pay for. So on both occasions, I ate beans on toast <laughs> for many, many months, but I had these lovely puppies come home who came with their Coosa pedigree certificate in hand. So that's the Kennel Union of South Africa, guaranteeing the bloodline, naming the dam and the sire, etc. So my ears really picked up when I got this story from Terence, who contacted us to say, well, the puppy has arrived but the papers haven't. And I wondered if we were dealing with a potential scam of somebody so passing done. off pedigreed do- uh, dogs that weren't pedigreed, yes. pretending they were pedigreed. But it turns out that wasn't what was happening, and it, Wendy. It
1: wasn't at all, and I've never had a case quite like, like, like this, this. one, yeah. So... We're not going to name the breeder or even the name of the breed of dog involved because that would very easily identify her for reasons which will so soon become very obvious. So both Terence and another buyer, Derek of Durbanville, paid the Joburg-based breeder 12,000 rand each for a fully certified pedigree puppy. They also paid another 1,650 rand to fly those pups down to Cape Town, they landed a year and a day ago, the 25th of April, 2022. They were 12 weeks old um, and all good there. But try as they might, ever since, they haven't been able to get hold of that all-important registration certificate from the breeder. So as I say, I assumed, okay, this is, she's paid the top, asked the top price for accuser-registered uh puppy which must come with the with the certificate and um, she, but she hasn't actually gone she you know these these are not actually are registered not, they, yeah, they're they, not they're
0: not her exactly yeah. they
1: then they will never be registered because they don't qualify um because to me you know why else would you withhold a certificate if there was one anyway so while Terrence and I were toing and froing on this issue me trying to understand what the possible a motive could be if it, other than scamming the, you to pay for a pup Certificates puppy that wasn't don't exist. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Terence got confirmation directly from Cusa that they these these pups were indeed registered and that Cusa had sent the breed of the certificates via PostNet in January. I don't know why it took from April to January, but
0: that's that exist. They, they exist. They exist, okay. okay. Yeah, it does take some time, does I it? Think. Yes, now that I think okay. about it, yes. All right. Yes, we did. Re- um, now that I said, I, they didn't have papers in hand. They came a little bit after the puppies had been delivered. Now that I think about I had it, I been through this
1: process such a long, a long time, time ago. ago. 15 yeah, fifteen years ago, the miniature schnauzer, and the certificate came with the wrong birth date. Oh, and I know what the date was because she emailed me to say the pup's born, and I just got <laughs> irritated. She, she wouldn't change it, and I just thought, oh, well, I'm not going to breathe Stress with this it, dog, yeah. and just left it. But now that you mention it, it wasn't an immediate thing. Okay. Anyway, so. Um, I decided she hadn't answered my email um asking her why she was withholding the certificate, and so I phoned yesterday her number, and her daughter answered um and she said that her mum had been diagnosed with early onset dementia some oh. time ago, but six weeks ago, a former employee um allegedly broke into her home, stole some stuff, and poisoned her four breeding oh, dogs. No. So Terence had already said to me he was made aware that that was her last litter, which
0: yeah, we now know he why. didn't know yeah. why.
1: But the, yes, um, he last spoke to her. He says uh, mid February, so this incident couldn't happen afterwards. And apparently she's now very distressed, very disoriented. But um, as a lot of listeners will understand, she has good days and bad days. And this do- the daughter who sounded really caring and, and you know she said, genuinely concerned. Yes, she said I will hopefully mum will have a good day tomorrow. I'll get her logins for the computer and I'll ask her about the certificates. They weren't, they're not electronic. They're actually, as I said, um, sent either door to door or door to post net office. Yeah. Um, So we just, I'm pretty sure I've got her direct number now. She said, please don't worry mum. And I'm hoping that, um, you know, that between her and I, the certificates will be found and sent onto those two, two owners. And so there is an understandable, a genuine, genuine yes. reason behind
0: the confusion here. And I mean, if she can't find them, Wendy, one assumes the kennel unions confirmed that the certificates were issued. One yes. assumes one should be able to go to I, them and explain and get a reissue.
1: I did engage with, yep. with CUSA um, asking them before I actually realised... Find out what was on going here. on, yeah. what possible motive there could be, is this a common thing and whatever. So they haven't come back to me. I tried to do it by phone. They said, no, you must send an email and then I didn't get an answer. So I'll I'll keep on at that. But yes, quite an unusual case. Okay. But it was a I think
0: for us a good opportunity anyway to, to, to just share think a little bit here. Because yes. yes, okay. So so just to clarify, so Terence and um, sorry, who was the other complainant? Their dogs Terrence and Derek's yes. dogs are definitely properly registered Absolutely. representatives of this particular breed. Kennel Union has confirmed that, so if all else fails, they should be able to get those issues issued again and we're going to leave it at that. We didn't think there was any sense in naming the breeder, given the circumstances. And, yeah,
1: but we'd, we'd promoted this thing, so I think we had so to explain we had to carry what happened with, with yes. explaining.
0: But we thought while we're talking about pedigree dogs, we thought it would be a good opportunity just to remind listeners of some important do's and don'ts involved if you are going to be buying a puppy. Now, obviously, as we always do a reminder that there are so many dogs out there in shelters needing adoption and needing homes so please consider those first having said that I also recognize there are reasons why somebody might want a particular um pedigreed dog, maybe you're planning to breed yourself, maybe you're wanting to show them and that's part of the appeal of getting a registered puppy. So if that is the route you're going to go, you need to be seriously careful because Wendy, this wasn't a scam but sadly there are scams out there and Kusa's website actually had it quite raises- a lot of uh, information about yes. that. And
1: I've covered many, many, many of these for more than two decades so your worst game is that the puppies don't exist at all they just advertise by people with a fancy site and Mm. they're very easy to identify The language is too schmaltzy and unprofessional they talk about the little babies and fur babies and that's not it's, it's yeah and so that's a lot of people still get caught by that they pay money for them to be flown to them and then they get told from an official at the airport at the courier company oh no we can't send it we need an extra special crate and then you pay for the special and so we've it goes. covered
0: those stories we've before, covered it. Yes. That. so that's
1: your worst case scenario but kusa says um the, that they you want to really avoid that obviously but also paying putting your your money into the hands of unscrupulous breeders and puppy mills who overbreed dogs start them off too young and usually keep them in appalling conditions purely to make as much money out of them as they can before they are worn out and usually abandoned um, and, and they also recognize as we've just said that the other scam are the artists you yeah. advertise dogs that are purely fictitious with photos that they've just found on the net and that's another good Another thing that the reverse image reverse search will reveal. Yeah. Um before I realised it was so easy to do it on my iPhone. I used to do that when I was covering one of these cases and the puppies were you know, on some American site or something. They just you know, that the because they don't exist, the scammers have to steal photos. Okay. Yeah. So um so here's some tips for doing your homework. Know the going price for that breed because the um puppy mills usually undercut. And um, you think you're getting a good deal, but um, it, it, it's an indication that you're not dealing with a reputable breeder who's doing all the right things. Yeah. Yeah. Um. This was an important one. Be very wary of breeders that have a wide variety of puppies available all year round. Responsible breeders only breed when they are certain they will be able to find good homes for all their puppies. And thus it may be necessary to place your name on a waiting list and or to pay a deposit. Beware of those that have puppies available all year round and offer discounts because the reputable ones have waiting lists and they have no need to, to do that.
0: Yes, and they um, will wait in between letters absolutely. to let the dog recover yes. properly. And yeah, okay, so important um, one, that.
1: So also they um, uh, welcome people contacting their office, CUSA's office, Best Cape Town, to verify any claims made uh, around CUSA membership or registration. All the scammers do that, but yeah. So Just that's the you first You can call thing. them to say, okay, yeah. I'm
0: thinking of buying a puppy from Breeder X in Bramfontein, yeah. Are they registered on this your site? The Does this dam and sire exist, yes. etc. Okay, so that's great to know. Difficult, Although, yeah, they can't do anything though when exactly somebody's operating yeah. illegally, can they? No,
1: they've got no legislative powers to adjudicate. So there's a warning there. What that what they want you to do is protect yourself with information before you make that choice and pay your money. So and they're willing to, very willing and able to, to help. To help. They you can't do anything in afterwards. In that regard, yeah. yeah. Um, okay, and then. Um, this will rule out anybody that w- that wants to have a pup, and I suppose it would apply to our, our two gentlemen who bought that that breed we spoke about earlier. Is don't get them flown in, and I mean a lot of people. If it's a specific breed, and you've only got one breeder in the country or two that aren't in your province, I suppose mm-hmm. you have them flown in, but they don't. They had kuzey advises uh, insisting on visiting the premises where the puppy was raised. Never accept to collect your puppy from a different location. If it is flying, try and get a flying in. try and get a friend or family member to inspect the breeder prior transporting the puppy, be careful not to inadvertently support
0: puppy farmers. Absolutely, and I mean that tells you so much. You know, you know a, about the the quality of the breeding experience, Wendy. If you can go in, they'll let you visit the Happy kennel. You for can you see, see where the dogs are. Yes, you can see their beds where they're sleeping. You can see the food that they're being fed, and all of that. Um, it's so so important. The interesting thing for me about Kusa's advice is if you come across a breeder, I also found this interesting that that doesn't make you feel comfortable. Or if you go and visit, and you think, "Gosh, this is really dodgy." I don't think this is a bona fide uh, um, uh, situation. Yeah. A lot of people's response would be, I'm going to buy the puppy and get them out of this horrible situation and rescue it. Wendy Kusa actually advises against that, don't they, they? Absolutely. They say don't
1: rescue the puppy by paying for the puppy because it will only serve to perpetuate the vicious cycle. Rather contact them or your local SPCA and let, and let them handle it.
0: Okay, so So, leave the dog behind and call straight away. I know it's it's hard. It's it's very, very, very tough. But that's the
1: the the, the, the bigger picture. Is you're not helping by doing that. Uh, all responsible breeders will ensure that their puppies have been inoculated and dewormed by a registered veterinary professional um, and and CUSA-registered res- re- dogs must be microchipped. This is absolutely mandatory. Okay. Um, as a puppy buyer, you should receive a vet booklet with the puppy's medical history from the breeder. Um, As we said earlier, ask to see the CUSA certificate of registration for the dam and the sire and the CUSA membership number for the breeder. Beware of breeders that offer registration with alternate or multiple registries. The Kennel Union of South Africa is the only registry in this country that is recognized by the American, Canadian, United Kingdom. Okay. Um, And... And and yeah, um, and then they've got a list of, of questions. I don't know if we've got time
0: for them, Pippa. I don't think we've got time to go through all of them. But I just want to alert listeners to the fact that it is there. The it is Hoppers too. So I know the news. It's is all waiting. on the site. But the site is kusa.co.za. K U S A for Kennel Union of South Africa. Very interesting list of the things you should be asking the breeder before you commit to the purchase. And that's all clearly available on that website. Interestingly, Guy has messaged to say he's had his own problems with KUSA, struggling to get documents from them. Um, you don't give any detail, Guy, but that's, that is an interesting... That is not what has happened in this case, though. The, no. It's been confirmed that the documents were dispatched to the breeder, but there has been this health complication with the breeder, which explains why they never reached the intended final destination. So... Um, Okay, but if you'd like to send further further commentary or further background to that comment guy, you're welcome to send a voice note to 0725671567. Uh, again, for those asking for the detail on the the, the list of questions to ask your breeder, K-U-S-S-A, kusa.co.za. And if you are buying a pedigreed puppy with the intention of showing them or breeding from them, you're going to need to familiarise yourself with Kusa. So get onto that website and do take a look. Lots of very good practical advice there. Wendy, before we leave the question of registration papers, this one actually came in during car talk with Ernest, but I thought it was better suited to you as a question than to Ernest. The person says, we recently bought a car for cash, but I don't have the registration papers. I keep asking the car dealer for them, but no response. It's a reputable countrywide dealer. The car is registered in my name. It's not financed. I have a photocopy, but not the original. What do I do? Is the sale still legal?
1: Sale is legal, but the but the dealer has no right to withhold those papers, papers. which he very much needs as owner of the car. Um, I'm never surprised by what so by what so called reputable nationwide <laughs> dealers do. They don't provide spare keys. They don't provide the. Um, Service book, um, it's on, it goes. I've had a case recently, I didn't even publicize it, where they were using the same photo of a card to publicize all different models and prices and whatever. And it's just like, oops, mistake. Anyway, so all I can say is to please email me. The one good thing is if, if it's, a not just independent on the corner if it is part of a a large franchise they're usually more responsive to me so let's see uh, just send me the email with the details um, registration of car date of sale all that usual stuff and um Let's get that certificate I'm sure I'll out of i take one
0: email from Wendy to say, where are the papers? And they'll I'm be on their way. I'm always interested mm. in, often they ignore the question, but why? Why has it been withheld? And, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So whoever sent that, your email is consumer at nola.co.za, spelled K-N-O-W-L-E-R, consumer at nola.co.za. And please just put in the subject line, Cape Talk, car registration papers. Wendy will keep an eye out for it and happily take that up for you. OK, before we leave the animals behind, Wendy, um, you had an insurance query with a bit of a difference earlier this month. There's <laughs> actually
1: a tweet which I, I, well, was widely shared and it was Noel Adams uh, a couple of weeks ago. Um, and it prompted me to investigate whether or not South African home contents insurance policies cover claims of damage caused by our beloved pets. And her tweet went like this. Update on the expensive PC monitor that one of my cats sprayed on. Turns <laughs> yeah. out our household insurance doesn't cover damage caused by household pets. Sort of very
0: sad. Um, Emoji. Yes. Yeah. So. Expensive mistake. Yeah. So okay.
1: the question is will your home contents a- a- and motor insurance, because remember pets do horrible things to cars as well, some of them, um, <laughs> will it pay out on a claim? Should your dog destroy your sofa when you're out for the night because of? fireworks, terror, or light, or thunder, or whatever else, or if your puppy chewed up a section of your car's bumper. I actually had some, a a colleague of mine had something between the two. He um, left, I don't know how it happened. He must have, it wasn't his dog. Anyway, it was a, the dog in a car with fireworks oh, yes. and oh, just tore up the entire interior. I even remember it was a Mazda 6. <laughs> it was a long time ago.
0: Shame.
1: Um, yeah, so the short answer is mostly no. In some cases, yes, if you have specified cover on a particular item and paid extra for it. But even then, there are some things that they won't Some exclusions. Cover. Some okay. exclusions. Tell us so, more. all right, so I, I did a whiz round. Um, Most policies have a clause stating something along the lines uh, that the policy covers, quote, loss of or damage caused by animals and then in brackets, excluding domestic animals. So if a lion bites off your side mirror when you're driving through a game reserve, you're covered. But if your own little kitty cat at home runs her claws down the side of your car, you aren't. You aren't covered? No. Interesting. Um, So... I spoke to um, the CEO for the almost been for Short-Term Insurance, Edith Tezera-McKinnon, and she said this exclusion is widespread in the insurance industry and is not considered a special exclusion which an insurer needs specifically to bring to an insured's attention at this point of sale. What she's saying is um, and I think a lot of the complaints coming to that office have, have said, "But you didn't tell me you weren't going that, to cover that." that. In so the they don't—they don't, they don't yeah. have to sp- specifically point it out. She, another good reason to read your politi- policy. She says there are risks which insurers generally have no appetite to insure, and this is one such risk. Um, Senior assistant ombudsman for the short-term um, um, ombudsman for short-term insurance, Peter Nkuna. Says, pet, pet owners are generally considered to be responsible for the pets, for their pets, including damage caused by them. By keeping the pet, you are taken to be voluntarily assuming the risk or submitting yourself to the damage likely to result from keeping them. Um, okay. insurers, insurers choose what risks are acceptable and underwritten by them, and insurer cannot be
0: compelled to insure any particular risk. So, if you leave your dog in the room where your computer is and your dog damages the computer. I guess, Wendy, they argue that is a foreseeable uh, event. That's the exact term. Um, you should foresee that You should have realised that, that that was a possibility that it could happen. Exactly. And removed the computer or the dock.
1: My favourite response was from Ernest North, who's co-founder of Naked Insurance. We've had him on the show several <laughs> times. Yes. Yeah. So he says, and explains it rather very well, he said there are two aspects, external forces versus e- accidental damage. External f- forces include weather-related events such as theft and fire and wild animals you can't control, such as baboons and those are are covered by insurance. Accidental damage refers to damage that was caused by you or anyone living under your roof or visiting as a result of an accidental and unintentional mishap such as a fall or a slip. Every insurance contract is different in terms of cover for accidental damage, however. It's not usually included this damage by pets in, in contents, in contents cover, cover, but something that you add or specify as an optional extra. Um, so domestic, most insurance policies will not cover domestic animals damage caused by them, um, but. Uh, And reasonable care, the insurance contract requires you to look after and care for your valuables as well as take reasonable steps to avoid loss. So if you create a a dangerous scenario, such as locking your dog in a room with an expensive sound system, that's considered to be not taking reasonable care. Okay. And he says naked policy is we only um, cover accidental damage on contents. Or items that have been individually specified, such as laptops, cell phones, etc. This would, theory, this would include paintings, sculptures, etc. Um, uh, you see, and this is interesting because I've had cases like this: gradual deterioration, lack of maintenance, and wear and tear. Insurance doesn't cover for those sorts of things. Um, it also means pets, vermin, or insects gradually chewing your cables or furniture over time is not covered. And I had a case where. A chap's Porsche, mm-hmm. um, rats in the garage. He was mortified because he prides himself on you know com- complete Keeping cleanliness car in and pristine yes, condition, perfect yes. garage. Um, eight, it was an it was one of the you know a weekend car, not an yeah. everyday car. And so the rats, while he wasn't driving, it had a field day, and the just you can imagine place all that wiring. <laughs> and actually, it turned out to be. Um, kudo because the insurance company, I think because he was a good client, actually did pay for it they did pay in up. the end, but most wouldn't. Okay, so, so one of the
0: policies you've told us about that, that's unusual. So you should okay. keep,
1: um, you should have rat, uh, what do you call it? I don't want to mention a brand name, but r- products that… Rat uh, repellent. Yes, in your garage if, you have, if, if you're worried about that. Um, I asked, I asked all of them what kind of animal-related claims they had. Naked was the best response. Big dogs knock, knocking over items like a TV. We would only cover if the item was specified. Dogs chewing on electronics, um, which are covered if they are specified and assuming you didn't do it on purpose and took reasonable care. Dogs chewing furniture not covered. Cats and dogs scratching cars not covered. His, I said, you know, his personal advice was, I have about as much control over my nine-year-old. Son, as I have over his small dog, I know my insurance covers my cell phone and my laptop when either of those two uh, runs in the house and knocks them over. But if they chew my couch or knock over my red wine on an expensive carpet, I'm not covered. I thought about specifying those items, but it would increase the premium too much. As such, i rather just try to keep both away from that carpet in any way.
0: Away from and red, from red <laughs> great, great response, Ernest. Okay. Yeah. So quite similar feedback from all yeah, of, of the insurers you, you spoke to. You huh?
1: have to specify the items, but um, there exclusions that apply anyway. They don't cover damage to automatic swimming pool cleaning equipment, also known as creepy collies and similar, yes. cracking or scratching of glass, glassware or any similar similar breakable item and loss or damage of any portable computer equipment or cellular devices. Interesting. Okay, so have the conversation
0: if you have That's got a moral. large or jumpy dog that is likely to damage things like that and you think it's a risk, you need to specify individual mean, items to be covered, with And yes, and so yeah.
1: if, if um, I forget her name, uh, Was it Noelle? With a Noel? spraying cat? Yes. No, no, uh, yes. If she'd, spe- sounds like, depends on her insurer, but it sounds like if she'd specifically mentioned that I. I, I it could be a desktop that's not portable. Maybe she doesn't have it on her out and
0: about, whatever. Yeah. If she'd specified... Um, Cover for accidental damage and paid extra yes. for it. I, it I had then it on a TV covered.
1: once. And my son, in the days of Wii games, yes. he was w- violently, yes, yeah. while violently playing some sort of tennis or something. And the strap broke and the controller the whizzed into the TV and broke it. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> it took him a little while to tell us. But that was covered.
0: That was Because coming, the TV was specified. The TV had been specified yeah. on the policy. Yeah. And it was obviously accidental damage. Mm. My goodness. Never <laughs> saw that one coming, Wendy. Thank you. <laughs> so did I. Okay. Uh, we are back after this with uh, another story of shrinkflation and a couple of your open line questions. If you would like to ask a question, send it now by uh, by WhatsApp to 0725671567. Consumer Talk. Open line. Call 021-446-0567. Right, an open line question in Wendy asking whether there have been any updates on the White Pages scam. The person comments, I see that the debt collector company ITC Summons has been deregistered as a debt collector and its directors charged. But someone's still operating because we're still receiving requests for payment. We're not making payment, but are they not directly linked to the original scam company? Uh, Wendy, um, we might just need to remind listeners who don't remember what the White Pages scam was.
1: Okay, so this company, Durban-based, get hold of um, uh, directories for towns and cities across the country and then they target the listings that are in bold because those apply to... Um, a company and obviously there's online versions of these directories as well so if you see a, a, a bold listing it is uh, paid for and it's paid for as an extra on that business's telecom bill yeah and so they phone them up and sort of from a telecom essay or phone them up and say we need to email you because obviously they only have the phone number from the directory we need to email you just to update your your listing make out of that it's telecom they then um email them, used to be fax when they started (laughs) about seven or eight years ago, they then email them um, a form and there's a lot of free this, free that, but a whole wh- whack of, of very tiny print that says, you know, actually this is a year's or two-year subscription up front to some unknown um, directory. This has got nothing to do with telecom and um, you have to pay upfront, and it's 14,000 rand currently.
0: So they hoodwink people into thinking that you're updating yes. your free listing, but actually you're signing up for a, a new subscription.
1: Yes, uh, the okay. classic example of why you should always read the small print. It's admittedly yep. very, very tiny and hard to read. So – I get. I mean, I'm. I'm not exaggerating when I say I get at least one of these every single day. Still, 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 every single day. In fact, I responded to two today this morning. My goodness. So, um, yes, the the um, council for debt collectors um, they can only have any um, they can only regulate the debt collectors, and they have actually it's 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 an arm of the same company. The one the one office flogs the scam, flogs the scam, and the other collects when they don't pay. Yeah, um, so they then so,
0: say, but you subscribed, you owe yeah. us thousands of rand, and the person says, no, I don't. So and then, well, here's yes, the contract
1: exactly. So then yeah. they and then they inflate the the original. So what's fourteen thousand becomes fifteen and a half very quickly, and and with so interest it goes, added, et cetera, And yeah. and so the, the council for debt collectors has been very proactive and and held hearings against a number of them. The latest being ITC summons, which is a made up name ma- intended to make people think it had something to do with their credit record right it's just a made up name they have been deregistered and the um, owners have been fined or whatever they probably haven't paid but um, not too long ago about five or six months ago the um, CEO uh, Herman Putter the CEO of ITC Credit Bureau the actual Credit Bureau told me that um, it had picked up pace in, in the previous few months. I'm feeling fielding a lot of emails from angry companies that don't know it's a scam, he says. He says he responds to every single one of them himself in order to get the word out that RTC has nothing to do with those threats and to urge the businesses to not give, give in and pay up. And that's what I do every time, and that's what advocacy Advocate Tays Gildenheis of rather, of the Council for Debt Collectors does repeatedly every day and still they come back because they're frightened which the threats get more and more serious like with sheriffs coming to attach your your assets to pay this etc., cetera, et cetera and the only thing to say is they don't follow through on their threats completely ignore them disengage don't put the phone down ignore the emails eventually they'll give up but whatever you do don't pay it but many people have just to get some peace and then it starts up again a year later oh. well, you didn't cancel and now the next year is due. It's just wicked. So just do not do pay, Ignore, 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 mm. block.
0: Okay, and always Thank read you the small for print. And always read the small print, Wendy. Before we run out of time, you wanted to mention sadly another case of shrinkflation yes, you've come I across, do, and it's a, it's a it's an iconic
1: product. It's the Dove um, soap bar. It shrunk from hundred grams to ninety grams. And it was brought to my attention by uh, Mahendra Singh of Durban. Actually, he was at Discem in Durban North. He placed an order online for an offer being advertised for 100 gram bars um,
0: of, for, Dove
1: soap. For of Dove soap for around 59 rand. And when he uh, he opted to collect at the store, and actually there were four bars. Four ninety gram bars.
2: Oh, cheeky! And, he,
1: and they eventually, sh- Sam, they've he offered to refund them, and then he says they saw my disappointment, and so they actually sourced um, hundred gram bars from another that was still on sale in another branch of Dyschem, which I thought was great. That's pretty good, and service, got it to him. But the point is, um, he says, I thought I would make you aware of this practice once again, where items and quantities are downsized in the sneaky manner. Right? <laughs> so I took it up with Unilever, who said. As they always do, these companies, when asked to, when called out on shrinkflation, um, as a result of rising inflation, we've seen globally an increase in costs associated with producing bars, we made the decision to transition. <laughs> is you that know what it's about? called these days? Transition. 100 gram bars to 90 grams, which brings them in line with the predominant bar size sold globally. So
0: everybody else is doing it, so why I don't we? I did see
1: 90 gram bars on sale in Australia. Anyway, Sure. The bar experience and performance remain the same, except it runs out faster. <laughs> there was no intent to deceive customers with the change in Dove bar Grammage. I said "So why don't you just increase the price on the 100 gram bar? So that's, you never actually get an answer on that. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then I said, well, how did you tell people this? Yes, if we... there was no
0: intent to deceive, how did you yes, disclose the it's change? It's not on the bar or the packaging. Yeah.
1: When we launched the 90 gram bar, the new pack size was stated online and on marketing materials such as beauty leaflets. I said, great. Uh, it didn't answer the question of when the change was implemented but must be around about now because of Behindra's experience, yeah, and I said, please could you send me a sample of the marketing material which Unilever disseminated and a link to the website announcement? Because I went deep into the Dove brand part of the website, South Africa, and, and didn't find it. There anything. was certainly nothing, and okay. um, I've had radio, radio silence since I <laughs> asked for that. So <laughs> I'm not saying they didn't, but they're just not sharing it with me, and they're not re- revealing, you know, exactly. But anyway, so that's another okay, so one. just
0: be aware of it if you're comparing apples with apples. The size of the bar has actually changed. The pricing has not I mean good of Diskem to make good on what they had sold Mahendra but bad of Diskem to have not noticed that they were initially handing over to him was 40 grams less than what he paid for
1: so I'm kind of much worse when there's a bundled offer like that
0: yeah easier to slip it in okay but Mahendra thank you so much for alerting us to that one Uh, very very annoying I think we have time to squeeze in uh, one last voice note with an open line question although I hope it's not going to open a whole can of worms (laughs) for itself but if it does we can postpone it for another conversation let's take a listen
2: Hi, my name is Wayne. I just want to ask regarding insurance. Um, We had a problem with the uh, power surge with the the, uh, load shedding and uh, our our, our fridge caught fire and was destroyed. Luckily we saved the house Um, and also we had a computer that went uh, was damaged in that as well as well as um, yeah yeah, some other damages but and uh, the insurance company covered it and they paid out, well, they were fantastic. Gosh. Um, and then we just heard shortly after that, that um, insurance companies will no longer pay out for power surge damage to any appliances or electronic goods or electrical goods due to load shedding. So yeah. if you have load shedding and you have a power surge but you're still paying your insurance car your premium. So now you're paying your insurance premium but they won't cover it. Um, it's like saying uh, hail damage, they'll um, uh, cover it. But next time it hails, we won't cover it. It doesn't make quite sense.
1: There's a difference here yeah, because hail has always been, you know, inter- intermittent expected risk in certain parts of the country in particular. But th- this load shedding and certainly the escalating stages has presented a new risk, which your premium uh, didn't cover. And as we heard at the beginning of the show and we we're talking about insurance for the things that the damage pets cause yeah. um no insurer is obliged to cover anything that they feel um, you should have foreseen or yes so other get get surge protectors get inverted or something like that um a lot of them were insisting that there was no cover without surge protectors Yeah. so that's uh, maybe some of progressed to we're not covering it at all so it, it certainly engage with your insurer about this if you don't have solar and inverters and generators and whatever else to mm. um well generators you still get that dip well, off and yeah on. the yeah. point
0: is that Wendy it's no longer an unforeseeable event we know we have these exactly. high stages of load shedding so we know that power surges happen manage been the risk again okay, make no assumptions though find
1: out exactly what your insurer's approach is on this they should have actually notified you um and Good then point. you can take that you can take the appropriate steps to to minimize that risk for yourself
0: Wendy Nola, thank you as always for being with us.